Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, everyone, we're here. We yes. have now launched a National League podcast. Who'd have thought that we'd been doing a National League once? We've launched League Two. We've launched League One. We've launched a championship. And I think now it's safe to say we've saved the best to last. Yes. And we have the National League podcast. Everyone, welcome along. I am joined here today by an awesome, awesome group of people to do this. So you might know my voice already. So I'm Grant. You've known me from the League Two podcast from Lower League Look. And I am joined by Aaron, Luke, and Charlie. Three voices that you might not have heard from our channel before, but you will know from elsewhere. Guys, welcome along. Yeah. Cheers, it's, Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. I mean, I, I never thought I would be here with where my club is at, at the minute, but you know, you've got you've got to make the best of it while you're here. So yeah. I'm glad to be involved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not so glad to be involved in the National League. I've uh, been been a Hartlepool fan after the last couple of seasons. I'm devastated that we are back down here, but I'm happy to be here with you guys. <laughs> We've been here for an entire lifetime. At least, at least you've had a few years of that thought of being being in the football league. We we haven't even had that yet for a very long time. <laughs> Charlie, how how how's life for you? You know, we're not in the National League, of course, but um, it, it feels like we could be there soon, you know. Brad, <laughs> things aren't going the best at Bradford, but, you know, I'm thankful that we're not, you know, 13th in the National League, is it, Grant? Come off it. Come off it. So, no, for, anyone who, for anyone who doesn't know the voices that we've got along with us today, we've got Aaron... Aaron, you have previously you've done podcasts before. 
Yeah, so I was uh, a regular voice on D3, D4 for a long time. Um, and I also had my own, um, like, completely non-football related podcast all about, like, disabilities and, like, stigmas around that um, that I had for two years. So, But I've been in the sort of football uh, media space for probably five years now. I started as a, a production assistant at BBC Sport and kind of worked my way from there, really. And we also have the, I'm going to call you the National League guru, encyclopedia, man of many knowledge. I am buzzing to have you along, Luke Walsh. No, thank, pleasure to be here, lads, uh, to speak to yourselves. Um, yeah, it's going pretty well at Halifax at the moment. But for those who don't know, of course, I have my own channel on YouTube where I discuss mostly about the National League because, as you're aware, as we're speaking today, it is the... I would say the most entertaining and unpredictable league in, in the top five divisions in English football. It, it, that's just my opinion. Yes. And yeah, Charlie, he's a he's a Bradford fan. Yeah, that's it. He's the imposter. <laughs> <laughs> but this is your first podcast, Charlie. Am I right in saying that? It is. It is. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Mate, it's great. So we'll, you, you may know Charlie from Spaces. He's a Bradford fan that we've been doing. He's a regular, regular person on the the day six or six on Saturdays, and he's also got his own space set up as well. You just set it up and done your first solo space as well. So nothing to worry yeah. about, mate. Well, how was everyone? How was everyone's weekend from a football point? Anyway, last minute equaliser, aren't they for York? So I, I don't know how to feel, to be honest. I mean. For me, as a Latics on, we'll get into it at the minute, but obviously it was Mellon's first home game. And, I mean, for the neutral, it was a great game. If you would have given me a point um, before the the game, I would have took it. But I think the manner in which it ended up in a point, which I'll bring up on uh, with a very, very questionable penalty decision, was quite disappointing for me. But like I said, I'll touch upon that more when we get into the games, yeah. Charlie. What about you, Grant? Like, uh, should, we, should we talk about what uh, you let Rochdale do to your boys? <laughs> oh, do you know what? I'll get I'll get into it once we come to that game. But I was uh, a load of my mates and Liam surprised me on a, a, a stag do, not stag do. I've been married for near enough two or two years now, and um, yeah, so I had a, a late stag do because my stag do was virtual. So I'd had a lot of beer before the game started, and I had a lot of beer after because of how the game went. <laughs> and I needed that, and I was still feeling it this morning. So yeah, two days later, and I was still struggling. Happy yes. days. You all, I have to say, you weren't the best at Halifax either when you came, when you came to our place. Oh, it's been a dismal season. It's been a dismal, dismal season. Should we get into this week's game, weekend's games? Then let's do it. Let's go. So I've got up first and got into docking v. All their shots. We had Dorking who took a 2 1 win. But Dorking started the game so strong. And the first game, it came after an early attempted, lo- uh, it came early. So we had an attempted long throw came in by McManus. The, it was intended to go straight into Pryor. It was headed straight back out and landed back down at McManus. He pinged it in and it just met beautifully to Pryor. And he just headed it straight across the goal and in the backside. It was a fantastic header coming in. It continued so well with Dorking just piling on the pressure and continuing chances. And I think they should have fin- the game should have fin- been finished off 
by half time. They should have been absolutely clear. For me, what I think the major talking point of this game would have been is the penalty decision. Have any of you seen it yet? I heard about it. I, I, I know it's a bit controversial, it isn't it? Probably for Aldershot, probably shouldn't have been a penalty. I, I don't think it was a penalty at all. So Stokes came in and ran in the box and he just kind of cut across the front of Joe Cook and he just fell to the ground, whether he fell over his own feet, whether he just got tangled up. I, I it, There was nothing there from a kind of contact point of view. Joe Cook straight away had his arms up as soon as he cut in front of him to go, I'm not touching this guy. And he just seemed to get tangled in his feet and went down. And the ref was just looking at the linesman. The linesman was looking at the ref and they were both like, somebody's uh, got to make a decision. Uh, penalty. Yeah. And I was like, what? It, for me, it was no way I paid. It was very, very minimal, but contact. It was so, so soft. And you know, that led to the, led to the equaliser. From Aldershot, I if the third didn't, if the second goal for Dorking didn't come in, I think that would have been a major, major issue for that game because yeah. Dorking are well, both as mid-table kind of side. But yeah, shortly after, I there was probably the second worst miss of the weekend. I'll <laughs> come back to the worst one again, <laughs> reluctantly to put Dorking back in the league. Yeah, so Seager had a belt of a miss. He just kind of fell over the ball. I, but they continued with the pressure. Prior McManus creating opportunities left, right, and centre. And then the winner came with, I can't never, can never say this guy's name, Jimmy Mewitt. Is it Jimmy Mewitts? Yeah, it is that. Yeah, Mewitt. Yeah. Jimmy Mewitts. Um, lovely strike, but it went in off a deflection. Painful way to concede the second, but it's 2 1. Absolutely flattered Aldershot in this game. It, they should have been gone by half time. I mean, for me, I think obviously I I hope that sort of win gives uh, Dorking the confidence that they need they, they need to kind of not push on as such. But I I think Dorking have been quite poor so far this year. I know they they don't have a lot of expectations because of how the club's built anyway, really. But um, I I feel like hopefully it'll give them sort of the confidence and and to be able to get themselves maybe in the top half of the table now. But I don't know what you boys think. A part of me always kind of prefers it when Dawkins loses, if I'm being honest, just because you know you're going to get absolute dynamite out of Mark White's mouth. Mm. And yeah. the interviews are just not <laughs> as interesting, are they, when they win? <laughs> Wait, last, week, last week was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That, was, that was funny as anything when I, when I saw that. But to be fair, it's some, I actually quite enjoy I know like not many managers will be able to do that because... They're not just managing that; they're not owning the club as well. Where Mark White's literally, he can say within reason exactly what he wants because, of course, yeah. he owns the club. But to be fair to Dorking, I, I was very impressed to see that they won because I know they've had a lot of injury problems to key players. I know Jason Pryor were back in the team, but mm. the likes of McShane was out injured. Um, some other players as well going forward have, have been out uh, as well. So. I know Dorkin at the moment now are having a massive injury crisis. Mm. And in, in the pre-game interview, I know Mark were, were going on basically saying that, you know, we're, we're not going to be a fully fit side, to be brutally honest, um, but we're just going to give it our best shot. And to beat a side that's just inside the playoffs, who were significantly overperforming than what mm. they have done in previous seasons themselves in all the shots, to me, 
says says a lot about Dorking because you know Aldershot brought a very large following as well to that game. And it was a bit of a derby as well. And it's off the back of three consecutive losses as well for them. So confidence yeah. would have been high, but it, they won it for me in a convincing yeah. fashion. Yeah, they could have scored more definitely. Um, and I think I think just like the way the way Dorking go about the business with you know the manager being the chairman and everything to me it's just it's a very sort of you can get behind it, you know what I mean? It's a very likable story, isn't it? So I, I like to see them do well. And like I said, I hope it gives them the confidence to push on a little bit now. Mm. I reckon Dorking are probably the most lo- loved club in, in England, to be honest. They're a very hard club to dislike, aren't they, to be honest? Yes. Um, Not much about them that you can dislike. <laughs> unless they beat your team, of course. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Charlie, do you want to tell us about Kidderminster Chesterfield? I do. So, what a win, first of all. Chesterfield ended the season last season with heartbreak. You know, the way they went out to Notts County, they took it right to the wire, but obviously they didn't make it. So, this season they've had to make a statement, and I think they've done just that, to be honest. They've been unbeaten for 12 league games, and they've only lost one all season and drawn two. They've been on four wins in a row as well. But this, this game specifically... Will Grigg is absolutely on fire for Chesterfield. I mean, he scored eight goals in 16. He's getting a goal every other game and he's their top scorer. Um, yeah, the first goal were an absolutely great finish as well. Brilliant, just right in the bottom left corner. You, had to, find, you had to find Will Griggs on fire there, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> But I think the thing is with Chesterfield, though, like I'm not saying I'm not not giving them credit because, like, but it, last year obviously it was tough because you had, you know, County and you had Wrexham to go up against. But this year, especially with the way they they went about the summer business, it, I, because I'm quite confident that that the Chesterfield side as it is right now would probably be in contention to go up from League Two. Never mind the National League, if I'm being honest. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's, it's such a good side, like. It's no, it's no real surprise to me that they're walking away with it. I mean, it upsets me considering it. Everyone before the season were talking about Oldham and uh, Chester were going head to head, but because we decided to give um, David Unsworth sixteen odd games or whatever it was, that you know we're we're, we're reaping the sort of the um, what's the word? We're reaping the sort of consequences of that a little bit. Um, so now we've every, but I feel like everyone's just playing catch up, and it's just. I think they could have the league sewn up by February, if I'm being honest. There's also Barnet, to be fair, who who I know are, they're doing well themselves. But to be fair to Chesterfield, I know they, they've been in this league for... I think it's long overdue that their promotion, because, you know, they've been in this league for a long time. I know Grant, when, when Hartlepool had managed to get promoted, Chesterfield had actually been in the league prior to that, about two or three mm-hmm. seasons prior to that. And they're still here now. It's been a long time and... You know, I think last season they were kind of best of the rest, weren't they, behind Notts County and Wrexham? Um, and they probably thought to start the season, you know what, we know this season it's it's a massive opportunity for us to go up. The only real contenders financially at the start of the season who were looking like were, were Oldham, so we might as well splash the cash at yeah. the start of the season. And, and to be fair, they've done that. They don't just rely on Will Grigg. Of course, he's got a lot of goals, but the likes of Colclough and Nail as well. Uh, also, Jacobs. Yeah, Jacob, he was at Wigan as well, yeah. I, I, still can't believe, I still can't believe they pulled that signing off. Like, 
somebody like him is I think it shows the level that the National League has grown in quite a short period that these play these players uh, are prepared to drop down like it's like I'll get into in a second like when we signed um James James Norwood in the summer you know he got he got 12 goals in league 1 last year what what are these players doing in this division and I think sometimes you have to give credit for the growth of the division for that. You know what I mean? Do you know what? This brings in a point which I was going to talk about later on. I think this is a good place to bring it in. So I've been screaming and shouting for a long time about this in the National League. I don't know if you've spoke about this before, Luke, on your show, but the amount of substitutions that are allowed to be made in the National League, that you can only name five and make three substitutions. Why isn't this a thing in the National League? Why don't they bring it in? Is it because there's a gulf in your teams like your Chesterfield, your Oldhams, who can bring in players and they can have a full-time squad of seven that they can do and bring on five subs of players of the calibre that they could bring on versus your smaller clubs where it's part-time clubs and they would maybe have five and you'd have two or you'd have the seven or they maybe wouldn't even be able to bring name that amount of subs. Because they've I, I, got part-time staff. Why is it? Because it for me, it's an injury. It's a the way that football's played just now, especially in the the grounds that they play. It's awful for injuries. Yeah. Well. Well. The thing is, how I'd say is, I think it is because of the smaller clubs. To be fair, in the division with less depth. Just for an example, I know Halifax for the Hartlepool game. We had three players that we were hoping to get out on loan, who are all below the age of nineteen. And then we had a backup goalkeeper on the bench. And at this level, that's very rare to name a backup goalkeeper on the bench. Um, and we had one set and a half. And, and that was literally our, our uh, bench. So I'd probably say that that's the, that's the difference. Where I like Chesterfield, you know, and Oldham even, I know in their composition, but they've still got a lot of depth, can, can name probably, they could put two sets of 11s out, to be honest. Um, yeah. That's probably why I'd, I'd say that. Do you not think they should, even though they should even try and restrict it to saying, right, you can only name five subs, but allow them to make five subs? Yeah, so everyone gets, yeah, yeah. From an, yeah, surely from an injury point of view. So we've seen at the start of the season, we've seen games on, was it a Wednesday, Saturday, and Monday? That early on in the season, it's just injuries screaming, is screaming yeah, out yeah. for injuries to happen. It's a dem- the National League's a demanding league in terms of the amount of games that are played in a short period of time because there's still a lot of teams there. Physically, we've, seen, all, we, we've mm. seen as well how like it's a very it's a very physical league as well, isn't it? I know it's silly to say that, but like because all football is physical, but the national I'm I've been surprised in my two years down here so far. Like so much, I think the ref, the problem is, and I'll get onto it in a second. The referees they give. So much they let so much more go that wouldn't be let go in like the league two and league one. So there's not there's no surprise that there's more injuries. You know what I mean? So I think it's a great shout, Grant. Yeah, it's 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 a really good shout. Sorry to interrupt with that point, <laughs> Charlie. Did you have more in the game? Uh, not really. Just I think more the main thing to discuss is just how Chesterfield are approaching the season for me. That's absolutely the most interesting mm. thing for me because of it, it seems as though, well, they got caught short last season with sort of, you know, the best of the rest, as it were put earlier. Um, this season, they're looking to really make the mark 
what, what were their signings and the summer they've had. I think they're just ready now and they're, they're making that statement already. And that's that's yeah. really big for me. And I'd add to that, I'm a man that likes to make bold predictions and I'm not, I'm going to stick my neck out here and be a bit brave. I think I think Chesterfield will be in contention to go up from League Two this time next next year. Uh, I think I think they could potentially go back to back. I think the squad and the structure of that football club is that strong that I can I can really see it if I'm being honest. Think- and it pains me it pains me to say as an Oldham fan, but I I think Chesterfield are probably maybe one or two years away from where Oldham probably want to be at the minute. Yeah, I'd agree with that. To be fair, that that's something that you know on my show I've spoke about where. We, you know, we've talked about Oldham and we say the difference between Oldham and Chesterfield is Chesterfield have more experience of this division and they've been in your situation in the past where they've been mid-table Well, when maybe with them having that takeover a few years ago now, uh, when the Trust took over, they wanted to be in a bit of a better position, but they've built towards this now and they've certainly got the foundations there and the resources to, to get promoted and like you've mentioned, put a very strong case together to to get out of League Two as well because yeah. you know they do remind me of like the Stockport that went that won the title that season. Plenty of depth, attractive football, um, and yeah, I do think I I would predict Chesterfield to win the league. And to be fair, quite comfortably, maybe that's a bit naive because of Barnet. Maybe people are writing them off very early on to say because they to say there's uh, them two are the ones who are running away with it at the moment, but. For me, I can't see past Chesterfield, to be honest. Nah, I would agree. You mentioned Oldham there. Beautifully segued on. Aaron? Yeah, mate. So, I mean, so it, it was our first um, uh, home league game in, in, well, our first home game in, in like three weeks because obviously we had the two away games. We had the Rochdale game and, and the Fylde game in the league and then we had uh, we were away to Altrincham in the FA Cup, actually. So we we knew uh, I was going into the game confident because you know even though it's in a different composition you think you've beaten once already this season you kind of know what they're about a little bit but it was a completely different game from both sides than the FA Cup game was I think we it was their first goal so it was two all and and uh, their first goal they took the lead it was it was all us pressing going forward. Got caught out in the midfield, and um, the Chris Con Clark, who was actually a Latics target in the summer, in the summer transfer window. Um, what a player he is, by the way. He's a little bit cocky for my liking, but he's a brilliant player. Um, uh, he he put a ball in, and Justin, I'm a loser, had a free header in the box and just left Hudson um, rooted. And and, and as a Latics fan, you're thinking, oh great, here we go, you know. The worst is still to come because we'd just come off the back of a very surprising 3 0 defeat to Fylde on the Tuesday night, and you're thinking, Oh, not this again, we've started slow. But then, but then, as we were talking about before, it takes us 10 minutes to find our feet again. And we probably the best goal we've scored so far this year a brilliant bit of link up play through two very experienced players, like we were just talking about squad depth in Kieran Freeman, ex Pompey right back, and uh, James Norwood. Nice little bit of intricate passing down the right hand side and not Nors gets the ball in the box and he just absolutely levers it. Not it is one of them finishes where I think if he would have had more time to think about what he would have done with the ball, he would have missed it. Whereas like he's gone off instinct and he's just found the roof of the net, you know? 
Um, so it's 1-1 then, and we're starting to find our feet. And this is why I need your you guys' these opinions. I don't know if you've seen it. So then um, uh, Altringham come up the other end, and Hallam Hope has tackled the, the guy just going into the box. But as he's tackled, he's slid, and the ball is like brushed his hand on the left-hand side, and the referee has given the penalty. Now, I know... By the letter of the law, because the ball hit his hand, it is a penalty. But surely in them situations, there has to be, a, like you see in the rugby, there has to be some sort of mitigating circumstance where the the intention becomes a part of it because Hope won the ball and it was just his follow-through from the slide that caught his hand and the penalty was given. And then obviously, so I, I remember having a chat um, a couple of weeks ago um, about standard of officiating in, in the National League. And obviously not all of the ref or the majority of the referees aren't professional referees, are they, in our division? Yeah. I think sometimes they try the best, but I think that shows a little bit. And I don't know, Luke, maybe maybe you've seen the penalty. I don't know what you, you think of the sort of a decision, but for me, maybe with my old tinted glasses on, but I can't see how they've given it as a penalty, to be fair. So uh, where was his hand set? So... I can't, I can't explain it without looking at it, but he's he's got the ball and then his momentum has kind of made him slide and the ball sort of like brushed his uh brushed his like left hand as he's as he's come back up to get up with the ball and the referee's given it and, and hope's gone up and he was like I've tried to pull my hand out of the way and the refs the ref's given the penalty and obviously then Chris of Crick on Clark makes no mistake and, and comes to the front of the Rochdale Road and cupping his ears. Honestly, I've never been so angry at one particular player than I was on, on Saturday, let me tell you. Um, but then, again, we respond quite brightly and, and get... I mean, it takes us... It, it then takes us the full second half, pretty much, to find like find a response. But what a response it was from somebody that's becoming an unsung hero for long shots at the minute, and Nathan Sharon. you know what I mean? I'm, I normally get a nosebleed every time I see Nathan Sharon cross the halfway line. So, for the fact... To say he's got he's got two goals in three games now for us is is quite staggering and and both goals obviously in the derby against Rochdale and then the Saturday both of them were really really nice taken long shots so I think if you would have offered me a draw at home to Altrincham before the game considering they were sat fourth and we we are are where we are um, I would have took it but in the circumstances I feel a little bit aggrieved not like not to have taken off three points with the penalty decision. I just sorry. So yeah, can I just say on that penalty decision? I've seen the footage of that, and and I I agree with you uh, completely there, Aaron. It just it's so softly given. It it just he's very clearly slid in to win the ball, and he's won the ball, and it it just you can't see it very well on the footage that they've given, but to me that's perfectly fine. Absolutely never a penalty for me. It's inconsistency though, isn't it, of the division? So, you know, one, what annoys me is at one point, one week that'd be fine and it'd be like, oh no, we didn't see it. And then the following week, oh no, it's a penalty. This, and I know it's across the board, it's not just a National League, but I know you mentioned there about not all the officiating being professional and that's a problem as well within that. I know every league's complaining about officials at the moment, League 2, the mm. Premiership with VAR, but there's some questionable, we're going to come on to it, of course, with all the other games, but there's been some questionable uh, decisions, not just in that game, but 
across the board this weekend and, and throughout the season as well. It's it's just so inconsistent. The thing is for me is, and I don't want to sound too rude when I say this, but some of the decisions I just wish they'd use a little bit of like common sense with the decisions rather than just reading it from a rule book. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like this one, for instance, obviously I'm a Latics fan, so I'm going to feel aggrieved, but the momentum has carried like carried his hand from the slide tackle through, you know, so like he's already going to ground because of the momentum of the tackle. So I don't know where he's supposed to put his hand. Yeah. I just watched um, it back there. I don't know if any of you seen my face when I was watching. I was like, what? So that's two penalty decisions that I've seen. So the one in the match I was talking about, and then this one, that's a shocking decision by the referee. I, I genuinely don't see, but, but do you know what annoyed me even more? Go see on. The pen, see the penalty that Con Clark took. That stupid fucking skip. Oh I yeah, the, hate, he's got, I hate them. Yeah, he's got he's got I, posters of he's got posters of Georgino in his bedroom. Oh, oh yes. I think that should uh, just be banned from football. That stupid <laughs> skip, and God, I hate it. And um, yeah, but I think the the one thing I will say uh, away from Latics at the minute is. I've been a big admirer of the way Altering have gone about the business over the last couple of years. And I don't think there's any sort of surprise that, you know, Phil Parkinson is turning heads in higher divisions now. You know what I mean? I think, uh, is it um, Grimsby that are interested in him? I think, yeah, now? And, no, no. you know what I mean? I think he's finally getting his flowers, isn't he? But I think it would like, it would take a lot for him to leave a project like Altrincham, to be honest. Because there... so well, before, we, before we appointed Mickey Mellon, he was... He was a uh, second favourite to become our manager. Uh, Is there enough room for two Phil Parkinsons in League Two? <laughs> we had it last season, but before you joined the party, we had, of course, so we always got mixed up between the two. Um, but yeah, to be, I think culture and like you've mentioned there, Aaron, um, that they're a club that I'd we admire myself as well because, of course, they've been through some difficult times in non-league in in recent years. You know, back-to-back relegations into a league that. They probably did never belonged in, um, and they've managed to climb all the way back, bringing in the likes of Phil Parkinson, and he's kind of build building a squad. You know, they've gone into the full time module for the first time in their entire existence about two seasons ago. Now, last season had a, a fairly respectable campaign, I'd say, uh, a strong end as well to the season, um, and very unfortunate in the FA Trophy against us. We, we won't talk about that. Um, but to be fair, this season, I think a lot of people had a feel a feeling that Altrincham were going to step it up a gear and potentially kind of cause issues in the, in the top half of the table and, and the playoffs. And so far, for me, they look like a side that definitely have the capabilities if they can keep the squad fit to, to compete yeah. for the playoffs. Because so far, they've already had injuries themselves and they've managed to deal with those and no, the business that they do is very particular, I would say, and they're bringing in well-known players in this division, which is something a, a little bit unknown. Uh, bringing the likes of Con Clark back, no one would have expected that. Crankshaw coming from Stockport, an unbelievable mm-hmm. signing that nobody would have expected. So, for me, Altrincham aside, under Parkinson, play a very attractive football and definitely have the capabilities, I think, to, to be causing issues um, this season near the top. Yeah, It'd be interesting exactly. to see what happens and how how they react if Parkinson did step up and how they what would happen to them as a team. In the yeah. same way, we we don't really know how Gates Head are going to respond, but well, we know how that went this weekend. 
it's it's interesting though. I'll I'll be quick. Um, just touching up on Latics now. I think our like we were talking about Chesterfield uh, running away with it. Our focus as a fan base, I think, and probably those inside the club is quickly focused like changed from maybe challenging for the title to getting a playoff place now. But I fully believe with Mickey Mellon in the hot seat now and with the quality that we've got, we we, we anything below uh, a playoff place would be classed as a bit of a failure to me uh, this this season because just because of how well we've been backed with the squad and, you know, people like, like I said, it's crazy to say that James Norwood plays for Oldham Athletic in the National League, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so with, with the quality we've got, we, for me, we've got no excuses not to be in the playoff uh, picture come the end of the season, to be honest. I think what's strong for, for Oldham, for me, um, and a reason that I might, I, I'm going to say might, tip them to get inside the playoffs is that they've got a proven goal scorer. You know, we look at ourselves, Halli, and we'll come on to them, but look at Halifax at the moment. The problem, you know, we're crying out for is a proven goal scorer. And at, in this division, if you've got a proven goal scorer and depth like Oldham have at the end of the season, that's when it really does show. And I, I do, I know you mentioned earlier about Oldham just needing a run of games um, to, you know, a, to get a bit of momentum. And I think if they can get on a bit of a run of Oldham, for me, they, they can find themselves in the playoffs. And, you know, if they go into those playoffs at the end of the season on form with momentum, you know, anything can happen. We saw what happened to Grimsby a, a few seasons ago and how they got promoted. So, for me, Oldham, I look at the squad and I might say, to be honest, they're still missing a few players for me to... A right-back and a centre-midfielder. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, and that would be, that'd be my only issue about them. Like I wasn't too impressed with them when they came to the Shea or when I watched them against Chesterfield, but that was, of course, under Unsworth. So, so for me, I think if Oldham, you know, get a bit of momentum, get on a good run, I, I can't see why not they can be competing for the playoffs, but there's plenty you of other times. You can't, you can't get my hopes up like that, Luke. It's not fair. <laughs> I've been here before. I've been here before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now just before we move on, there's going to be a short intermission so we can hear from our ad break, our advertising Partners, I don't know what you call it. I never, I never do the advertising. But enjoy. We'll see you in about a minute. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we're back in the room. <laughs> Did everyone enjoy that? that Loved it. Got Brilliant ad. Scott, got a bit of advertisers. Oh, yeah. advertisers. Thank you for your support. We do love you very much. I'm Bournemouth South End. Look, take it away. Um, so yeah, Bournemouth v South End. Um, South End went in went into this game on very good form and 
you know, they're carrying that momentum at the moment of what's been happening at the club and them having that takeover, spurring them on. Um, of course, I do believe Southend did actually take the lead early on uh, through a penalty, um, who Bridge put it away and, and Bournemouth, Bournemouth managed to actually equalise. And, um, you know, I know Bournemouth haven't been the best at home this season, but, but for me... Um, I always see it as a difficult place to go, even if you're not, even if it's not that they're going to defeat you. It's just a very difficult place to go and actually win. I, I always see. So for me, I think it's not too bad of a, a result for Southend at the end of the day, going away to somewhere like Bournemouth, who you know do make it hard, hard for the opposition to, to break themselves down, even this season, to a certain to a certain extent. Although they are significantly underperforming for for the standards that they've set over the last couple of seasons, but. I think from South End's perspective, all they need to keep doing is they need to just keep grinding out these results until that they're able to sign players. Because I do believe it's November when they're going to be able to sign players um, when the embargo is lifted, and that's something that they are dying for at the moment because they're having a lot of injury issues and yeah. only got a squad of fifteen. So they need to quickly get to that November without just grinding out these results, even if it is just draws against the likes of Bournemouth and, and then get to November. So well a few to be in the position yeah, that they are. So, so well. Like everyone had them pretty much written off at the start of the season, I think. And yeah, for them to continually be challenging say. and beating teams is, is great. That's what I was just going to say. People forget quickly, don't they, that if it wasn't for that 10 points, they'd be comfortably inside them playoff places right Third. now. Um and yeah, I think obviously the 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 work that May uh, May has been doing and uh, is is um staggering really and yeah like you said the uh, I like we were talking about with the substitutions and the injuries before they do need reinforcements and reinforcements quick don't they because it can easily fall apart if they get a few more injuries definitely. It's for me it felt like at the start of the season a total community feel around the club. Because you had fans coming in and getting the stadium all set. There was all the yeah. talks as well of being no running water at their training, at their training grounds. And they just kind of set the bar really high for themselves. And yeah, the position they would have been in would have been phenomenal. But yeah, mm-hmm. great job by South End doing what they're doing. And poor Wood and Ashmore is always, an, he's a formidable man in goals, isn't he? Been, in this, been at this level for a long time, him now. Um, second best goalkeeper. Uh, in this division after Sam Johnston, of course. I knew that was coming. Yeah. Well, we can't argue. You know, I, I, I could show you a highlight reel of all his saves recently, what he's done. Um, I think, Alan, you'll agree, when when, when we played against you, he, he kept us in it near the end as well. Yeah, he, he was like a, a brick wall, honestly. But the one thing I would say is anyone can have a good highlight reel. It doesn't really make them, you know what I mean? But I, I get, I get, what I, I, get for I get what you're saying though. He is a very, very good, reliable keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we all know those players that you end up signing. And this at this level, you always see players that folks sign. He's like a really, really random one, and he's got like a YouTube highlight reel from like really odd teams. It's like, oh, he's great, and then he comes on and he's just terrible. I do I mean, love odd players. What I'd at this say state. about Sam Johnson though is. I know there's always that question, isn't there, about oh, you can make any play look good with a highlight reel, but how long is the highlight reel able to go on for? You could go on for hours mm-hmm. with the saves that he's made over the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah, that's a fair point. Hey, Producer Heath has just said here in the comments, right, 
I need your response to this look. So he's went, you definitely have shaming tinted glasses on. I've never been fully convinced. Sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, so producer Heath said, yep. shaming tinted glasses look. I've never been fully convinced. Shaman tinted glasses. Oh, let me try to see it. M- meaning he's not been, he's never been fully convinced about Johnson. Yeah. Heath, to be honest, mate, I, I think you'd have to pop down to a few games to watch Sam Johnson, to be fair. Um, I know, like, against against Hartlepool, Grant, I don't, know if, I don't know if you went or if you watched it on the stream, but there was a save that he made in, like, two proper good saves, and it I reckon if that if those and I know I'm building him up here, but I reckon if those two saves were were made in in the Premiership, I, I generally think they'd be talking about that for a very long time. They were incredible. Uh, I don't know if you saw him, Grant, or not, but I didn't. Know, but do you know what? That, that's exactly why we're here, so we can talk about these sort of performances to give them the credit that they're due. When you're not going to see this sort of thing, and that you're not going to see it being talked yeah. about, so it's great that we're talking about these sort of performances from keepers like that, though. If if he was any, I think the only criticism I would have from him is the fact that his goal kicking's not the best, and that's probably why there hasn't been a football league side that that's come in for him. And I know that there has been games in the past um, where he'd made made the odd decision, but hasn't every goalkeeper at this level? That that's what I'd say. To that's be honest, clear, on that. Yeah. Charlie, let's hear a little bit about Absolute V Dagenham and Redbridge. Yeah, so a 1 0 victory from Dagenham and Redbridge. We're going from top end at Chesterfield that I last spoke about to towards the bottom end in almost what could potentially end up being crucial to the survival of one of these teams. Um, yeah, so uh, Dagenham and Redbridge are 18th now. And Ebbsfleet a 19th, with uh, Ebbsfleet being a point off relegation, which, just a little side point here, I think it's outrageous that the bottom four get relegated in this league, but we, we can come back to that at another point. Uh, a 92nd minute uh, goal from Charlie Kendall uh, saw them win the game. And... A potential six-pointer later on. It is early in the season to find out, you know, how influential these three points can be. But in a team that's seen quite a bad run of form and sort of lower down the table, confidence is absolutely massive right now. It could, you know, help them build momentum and keep them pushing on from here. You're a brave man, you know, shouting relegation and promotion contention without a third of the season gone yet, you know. Yeah, well, it's it's early on. It is absolutely early on, but you know, we're looking at the standings now. You know, it absolutely could end up being crucial later on in the yeah, season. Yeah. But it's also an opportunity for Dagenham and Redbridge to sort of push on and sort of move themselves a bit further up the table from where they are now. But that that said, they are only three points clear off the bottom four. But yeah, of course, it's early. It's early, as you said, Aaron. It's like we said though, four four teams going down is mad. I think it's only purely because it's to get your two into the south and two from the north because yeah. you wouldn't. It's purely it's the way that that works because it's regionalized below here. But it's scary to think that you can have not a terrible well, if you're bottom four, you're having a terrible season, but you can be nowhere near that bottom two mark and still dropped out yeah. of this league. It's, 
Well, we saw last season, didn't we? Um, Yeovil were probably like where Wheelstone are. And the problem with them was that they were drawing too many games. Mm-hmm. And that's why they, they couldn't gain any momentum, get a good run of form. It was because they were drawing too many games. Uh, they had one of the best defences in the league. Had an awful end to the season, found themselves in the bottom four. Torquay, another massive club, Scunthorpe, all found themselves going down last season. So, you know, sides like Dagenham, they might always be this question, is on a way of a former football league side. It it never happened to us. Um, but it genuinely can to, to get out to get relegated out of this league. Um I would say I'd like to think both of those clubs in Ebsfleet and Dagenham are too good to go down. I think Ebsfleet play quite attractive football and I've got quite high hopes for them. Well, I did at the start of the season, which was proven to be correct. But as of recent, they really are struggling and that and that's a very, very bad defeat, isn't it, to um, Dagenham? Well, there was, there was a lot of talk and I don't know whether it was just gossip. Well, it turned out to be just be gossip now, I guess. But there was a lot of talk in the summer about the formation of the National League changing and the free up free down coming in. And I think as soon as that happens, the better, in my opinion. Because I think it's it's unfair on both ends of the table. And I'm not just saying this because I'm salty with Chesterfield either. But like the fact that um only one goes up automatically when it's you know a 40, 46 game seat, like it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I would just want to see fair. I would just want to see it. If we done, if it went three up, three down from this league, what would you want to see? In two up, of... two. Well, I'd, I think if I'm thinking how you, if I'm thinking how you want, I'm, I'd probably say two up and then one playoffs. The only problem that I'd have with that, and you no, know, it's not a problem actually because I'd love to see it with Halifax. I'd love for to gain a, a better opportunity of going up. But the only problem that I might have with that is. It would it kind of make, not make this league as, as unique, you know. I think a lot of people are really starting to appreciate the National League now, not just National League supporters, but also I think just genuinely, genuinely across the country. And with Wrexham on a world scale now, it's kind of got a lot of publicity there as well. Um, and I guess, sorry, go on. No, I no, guess no. it adds. I guess it adds to the entertainment factor as well, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, we we saw the playoffs last year. I've never heard of something like a. What is it? A playoff eliminator before the you know before the semi-finals? What that is one of the maddest things I've ever seen. Like yeah. imagine doing all that work and you you get knocked out even though you're in the playoffs before the playoffs start. It's it's mad to me. It, it happened to Halifax. We finished fourth. Um, I think two seasons ago now we had one of the best seasons we've had um, since you know probably since we reformed as a club. We finished fourth in the league. We probably should have finished third and we bottled it towards the end and then um, Chestfield came to us and there were 10 points between us at the end of the season Chestfield was seventh on something like 71 points and we won 84 yeah that was a difference so it was like 13 points and then and we took four points off them we drew away and beat them at home had to play him in a playoff eliminator and we ended up losing at home and it felt so unfair um, that we had to play that extra game um, mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, in other leagues, you know, you'd, you'd have two legs and that would literally be it. And, you know, if you didn't turn up on the night, like it, like what happened to Halifax, it's, it's your season over just like that, even if it is 13 points between two sides. Well, I'd love to see. And I'd like to know your opinion on this, Charlie, because your club's in league two. I would love yeah. a promotion relegation playoff. Yeah. So, you'd get, so you get two teams go up, auto... Yeah, we do it in the Scottish leagues. 
So you'd see two teams go up automatic, and then you'd see the rest plus third bottom in League Two enter into a playoff. The and thing is, the winner of that goes into League Two. With that, I think that would add to my list of disabilities. I don't think my heart could take something like that. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's a no from me. But in terms of an entertainment factor, then definitely. But I don't think anybody's ticker could take that. It's the it's the one thing. This I think it's the big kicker why we're not getting three up from the national league is because the EFL, the EFL clubs don't want it. Yeah, absolutely. A, a third club dropping out. But if you said you can come into a playoff. What do you think, Charlie? I think I think it would make things more interesting. And we've seen, you know, many a times from the teams that come up from League Two, they're more than capable, you know. But I, I guess you could sort of use that to bring up a point that is it really fair on the, the team that's, you know, fighting not to go down? Because the teams that come up typically need to show a lot of fight. Maybe that's just because it's, you know, harder to get up from the league, you know, given those limited spaces. But... A lot of the teams you see come up, they're perfectly, perfectly capable in the league. We've seen it with, you know, Stockport, Notts County, Wrexham, just to name a few. They've come up and they've been capable. Even Grimsby, they've not exactly, you know, set the world alight like like Stockport did, but they're comfortable, you know. Just Grant, who failed at the end, didn't you, Grant? I was going to say, you could could all see my face going, you're not going to say Hartlepool, are you? Yeah, that, that's the thing. You've kind of ruined the whole the whole point now, haven't you? Because you mm. you meant to when you get promoted, be fine, and Hartlepool have, have come down. So I they're think, the only I club, think, and Grimsby did it once. But I think the gap, though, I mean, me and Charlie were talking about it before the gap between League Two and maybe probably the bottom half of League One and the National League is closing more considerably year upon year now. And I I think it's to do with the investment in the National League nowadays. You know what I mean? Like the the quality, like we touched upon before, the quality of players coming into the league is making the league more competitive. I think that's that's what you're seeing now. How, how I'd see it is, I think a lot of sides who come down from League Two, it's not that they've just had a proper poor season; it's that they're having issues off the field. Um, Oldham being an example, Scunthorpe, yeah. uh, Hartlepool, even I know it's not serious, yep. but it, they have had a few issues themselves. Groomsby when they came down, you know, the list goes on. Sides get relegated from the division, not because they've been like had an off season, because they're going through financial issues, which is impacting on the players. They come down into this division um, and then they manage to find a takeover. They find a takeover and because they've got a massive fan base, they become a force. And loads, we had a, not this, not last season, the season before, the league was literally, we had Stockport, Grimsby, Southend, Wrexham, um, Notts County, it was huge. And then the following season, Oldham, Scunthorpe came in to replace those and Oldham and Scunthorpe were both going through financial issues at, at that point. It's, it's That's basically how, I, how I'd see it. And, you know, Bradford City are another club that I know they're not going through financial problems, but all it would take is for them to have a, a proper bad season maybe. And could you imagine a, a club like that being, being in the fifth division? It would be... Ridiculous, and that they'd have I think to it destroys. It'd be yeah. mad. It'd be. We've, it, spoken, we've spoke about stepping up. I think that's a perfect. <laughs> I think that's a perfect segue to move on to the next game where a manager stepped up. We were saying we get it. Have lost their manager, and they yeah. failed. Aaron and look, I, I kind of want to start from a failed perspective if I can, and just say 
Like, I've been very surprised with Fylde's poor start to the season because I think we've seen that team has got a lot of quality in it. You know what I mean? Nick Nick Horton, John Ustabi, um, like some serious players. And now it seems like something is just finally clicking for like Chris Beach and, and that sort of squad. And I, I'm sort of glad because obviously we went there on Tuesday night. They were bottom of the league. You kind of... I don't want to sound rude, but you kind of think we were in good form going into that game, and you kind of think it's you know what I mean it's a, it's an easy three points, but then then they come and absolutely spank us, and you're like, oh, what's going on here? Are we just that bad? So it made it made me feel better about our result in, in a way, but I think now I think the sort of confidence of because it's the first time they've won back to back games all season, filed, um, and I, I also believe they will go on a bit of a run now and the quality in that squad will, will shine through. Um but as for Gate said, I think I think I mean I know it's early days, but it's probably proven that it was Williamson and his his attacking approach that can sort of work with any, you know, it can sort of fit into any team because you look at the start he's made in, in his very early openings at MK Dons and he's he's still playing the same way and getting the results. And I think it just shows that not everyone is blessed with the same sort of tactical approach and tactical nous. And obviously, Rob Elliott hasn't had any managerial experience before and, and it's kind of showing that a little bit. But again, I think Gates had to have a lot of quality and I don't think they'll struggle for too long, but I just think they need to make sure they get the, their appointment right and it needs to be, you know, the right man to... To get them back on the right tracks, really. Aaron, can I just ask you one question? Aaron, can I just ask you one question? Sorry, Grant. Um, just on just on that filed Oldham game. I know we're going back a bit now, but I know you mentioned there about filed improving, and you know they were a side that were. I think I've been very underwhelmed with this season, uh, and probably I kind of turning turning a corner now uh, of the quality that I've got. Would you say it was more old and were just dreadful that night? Or would you say you'd have to give Fylde a lot of credit and they just were very good? I mean, we I can't really say. Uh, yeah, I can't. I mean, we were dreadful. We were 2-0 down in, in 13 minutes. And I think it kind of shocked It shocked our system a little bit because I think sort of you've gone in there a little bit blase and you've gone in there a little bit, you know, it's a give me three points, and uh, because obviously we were on a, a run of unbeaten in eight before that game, and you know, I, I, I'm not questioning the players' mentality such because everyone can have an off day, but I wonder whether they kind of took it a bit easy and we got punished for it, and then obviously the Hogan at the second half didn't it wasn't going to help anyone, but the the football they were playing, they were passing passing us off the park at the time, um, but like I said before, it, it's not really come into too much of a surprise to me that they have started picking up form and obviously they've got to keep it going um but they've got some really quality players so it doesn't surprise me much really um but like i said for gateshead i think they've just got to make sure i think this appointment is is absolutely crucial i mean any managerial appointment is crucial but you know like they need somebody to sort of come in and uh, and give them that sort of fresh approach again I, 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 who do you think that that uh the gate said manager will be has anyone got any ideas i think they'll stick with elliot i think i think, think they're going to announce yeah um like i i'm quite confident that they'll be okay because they're still playing quite a similar kind of style um i know a way at rochdale they still kept 65 percent possession that's the style they play quite possession-based style of football um 
So for me, I, th- I think they'll be okay. Of course, there's going to be there's going to be a few teething problems, and there's a massive transition there. But for me, I, I think um, as long as Williamson don't come back to Gateshead and, and digging up players from the squad to take to MK, I yeah. think they'll, they'll be okay and they'll, they'll stick with Elliot. And it's it's a good opportunity for him to, to get into full time management. Uh, Grant, what what are you thinking? To stick with him? I'm not sure on who else he would bring in. Other than that, he's got a good he's got a good group round with Carl Magny as well. So I, I I do think it's probably a good idea to stick who they have, stick with that same style that they've got that they're used to as a club, and then build. If it doesn't work, appoint someone over the summer. Yeah, yeah. I think we're about to get on to my favourite part of this week's podcast, aren't we, Grant? Um, I was yeah, ho- so- I was hoping I was hoping to avoid this. Now, let's take let's take it away. Talk us through I- it. I am going to try and get through this without going through an X-rated swearing rant. Professionally but, unprofessional, Grant. Professionally unprofessional. But this week has been horrific for Hartlepool. This has been one of the worst weeks in, for me and the club in, a, in quite a long time. So we had the news at the, the start of the week or the, towards the end of the week about one of the midfield players, Oliver Finney. He's been charged with some horrific things. If anyone wants to go and look at it, look at it on the internet. It was on BBC News. I'm I'm not going to talk about that anymore because I don't want that mentioned on this or what he was accused of on this. There's just no place for it anywhere, if it was true. Um, and if it actually happened, but there's charges out there. Then the accounts get put out for Hartlepool. And the accounts just aren't good reading at all. You're looking at what five point four million in debt overall for the club. Some of these debts only to be paid back if they get paid, they get into League One. The Sage money, the the sport football, the Sport London COVID loan also due back as well. And then the club took a profit of eight hundred thousand, and most of that went back to pay off the chairman's director's loan. He gave him himself that back off the back of a season where you get relegated into the National League. I just think that's horrendous. I would rather spend half a million to try and keep us in the league last season than pull it all back out of the club. And then we went on to the performance against Rochdale, and that is the single worst first half display of football I have ever seen from any club. It was awful. I thought and you were going to win that, to be fair. I, I mean, thought I th- I said we were going to get beat five nil by Rochdale. I had no hope going into this game. What even before the game? Before the game. Jesus, ask, if you think if you think Rochdale are going to score five goals, you must be ask, on the bad side. <laughs> ask Liam. I said five nil, and it, it could have been easily. Dixon had one of the worst goalkeeping, if not the. In fact, that was the worst goalkeeping performance I have ever seen at Hartlepool. You know it's bad when your own fans, when the ball gets rolled to the keeper and he picks it up and everyone goes, way! That's how bad a goalkeeping performance it was from Dixon. Why John Askey dropped them, why he dropped Jameson and put Dixon in goals, I do not know. It was an awful decision. He didn't know how they were set up. They didn't know how to play. They didn't know if they were playing three at the back, four at the back or five at the back. No one knew what they were doing. Matty Dolan just did not look fit at all. It's now scre- everyone's been shouting out for Dolan to start. He's now started, and it's so obvious why he's not been starting because he is not fit. Anyway, 
this match in general, it's a match that was two teams that were relegated into the National League from League Two last season. They've, I think it's fair to say they've both struggled to kind of get into the swing of the season. Rochdale have had their issues. They've probably now seen what the National League's all about and they're going to start trying to find their feet. They've had that kind of, they've hit that rock and like, oh, right, this is a lot more difficult than we thought it was going to be. Two minutes in, their keeper, bang, ball straight up over the back of the defence. And it was picked up by Hayes, who just put the ball straight past Dixon. He went, Dixon went the wrong way. He didn't close down his angles. Awful. Didn't know what he was doing. Rochdale second came from another long ball from the back, straight over the Pills defence. Met by Keown. Is it Keown? Jimmy Keown. Jimmy Keown. Straight to him. Ran straight through through the defence. Dixon stood there. He just stood still. Didn't move. And then the last second he went down to go and get it straight past him. It was horrendous. I am... Yeah, so things went from bad to worse. It was like a typical Halloween performance, this, isn't it? It's awful. I am, um, and then Bradford Loney, Charlie, yeah, Ryan, Ryan East, or you said I was to call him Ryan Beast. Is Halloween yeah, well, reference? Halloween, Ryan yeah. Beast. yeah, Halloween reference. He scored the third. Um, and do you know what? Fair play to him. It was a good finish. But he ran over and he shushed the fans. I don't. There was no one there to shush because everyone was quiet because <laughs> we were just so bad. But things did get a little bit better at the end of the first half. Nicky Featherston, um, who could also be making his final appearance for Pools because his month-long loan is... Not month-long loan, his month-long contract has come to an end. Raj Singh, if you are listening to us, let's get back to you. Sign him until the end of the season. We're down a midfielder already. Sign Featherston. Anyway, he scored a great goal. And you could see that it meant so much. So you could see what it meant, the passion spelling out from him when he scored. Second half came round, we made a couple of changes, took Dolan off, brought another lad on, and we were in the front foot in the second half. It was a much stronger second half showing why we didn't play that in the first half, I do not know. We'd piled the pressure on, but Rochdale could just sit and enjoy it. They'd built a comfortable cushion, and they could just kind of enjoy themselves a little bit. Manny Disarui came on, he he came forward, he scored his 11th goal this season, that's now put him equal second top goal scorer in the league, and then I said I would talk about the miss of the night. This was her... Oh, my God. It should have equalised to make it three each. The ball was played in. He tried to hammer it, but it just went through his legs. So, just for a bit of context, because uh, you won't be able to see this and people might not know who I am, but I'm I'm a wheelchair user, okay? (laughs) And I'm I'm pretty confident I could have put that ball in the back of the net. He stepped over the top of the... I don't even know how he did what he did. It was it was horrendous. I, I think you could have scored it, Aaron, as well. It's the problem with Manny, though, isn't it? Is one, one week he's hot on fire and then the other week he's cold. Uh, if that if that makes sense. You know, one week it'll get you a half season. Yeah, and then next week it, it's like, how has he missed that? But I'd say mm. what's concerning about me with Hartlepool is the fact that you know, they were coming up against a Rochdale side that probably weren't in the best of form. They've had their injury problems themselves. Sinclair's out injured for them. Devante Rodney was out injured as well for them. And they've still, you know, managed to concede three against them. Now, I know Hartlepool have had a massive injury crisis, um, two very significant injuries, yeah. and then 
Of course, Lacey, I think, yeah, Lacey was, I'm guessing he wasn't playing because it looked bad against Halifax. Um, And what I would say about Hartlepool is, you know, they are a side that I think they are, these are good side there. There's a good set of players. Um, I fought against Halifax, you know, I think you, I didn't think you were that bad of a side. Um, There's the likes of Josh Umeira, when he came on against us, looked a lot better. And then obviously you've got Manny Diasawiwe. But the problem is you're not consistent. And when you've got the likes of Manny Diasawiwe playing, you kind of become one-dimensional because it forces the team to hoof it forward rather than try, you know, pass pass around. And mm. some weeks it is, it is going to work, that that long ball in this division. But other weeks it won't. Um, and, you know, the likes of Gray, um, a player for me that I'm very impressed with at Hartley Paul, you know, He's someone who probably won't suit that kind of style because he's a player that wants it to feet. And yeah, I, I just think the Hartlepool is definitely a good side in there. I think if everyone was fully fit and there were no issues off the field, I would have you them see, bang on to get playoffs. You see, but at the when, start of the season yeah. when we had everyone fully fit, so we had Dan Dodds, who's a phenomenal player, great centre back, right sided centre back, right mm-hmm. wing back, and um, Man City. He was unbelievable at the start of the season. And I was like, do you know what? If we keep playing like this with them, we're going to win the league. Yeah. And they get injured. Callum Cook get injured and the wheels just fell off. You mentioned there for Rochdale, Devante Rodney being injured. He's had a, quite a well-known heart issue this season. Mm-hmm. Um, he came he got, on he got, at the last minute. Him, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. came on at the last minute and everyone was... Everyone was buzzing to see him, ex-Hartlepool player as well, so he got a good reception off everyone. He went in with a full-bloody tackle straight away. But yeah, it was really good to see him. So for me, were Rochdale great? No. Were Hartlepool fucking awful? Yes. <laughs> let's let's move on to Maidenhead v. Slee. What a game. Um, yeah, Ma- Maidenhead, to be fair. They were a side that every season you always know that they're going to be down there. It's just common. I think it's common knowledge now. They've been, but you know, everyone does write them off at the start of the season. Um, and everyone predicts them when I do my game week predictions. I always predict them to either draw or lose because it's hard not to when you look at the squad, um, on paper. But this is what's so good about Maidenhead. Alan Devonshire finds 11 players that know how to keep them in this division. He gets a style of football that's enough to keep them in this division. Um, Zimba. Um, for Maidenhead is some player. And, you know, I think for them to defeat Eastley, who are a playoff chaser like themselves, says a lot by three goals to, um, to two. You know, I, I genuinely think Maidenhead, this is why they probably will end up surviving at the end because they can pick results up against the likes of Eastleys. They can pick results up against the likes of Chesterfields. Um, Barnett, no, Barnett actually defeated him, but a lot of sides up there, you know, they, they managed to pick results up against them. And to be fair, from my perspective, I think to defeat a side like Eastley with the firepower they've got up top um, says a lot about Maidenhead at the moment. So for me, yeah, um, a very good win for, for Maidenhead. And hopefully from their perspective, they can carry this momentum that they've got at the moment. I would agree. I don't get anything anything more on that one. I just I think it shows um teams with like smaller budget, as long as they're like it's all about togetherness, isn't it? And and like you've got that sort of understanding and belief that you sort of are good enough to compete. You know what I mean? If if they if they start to believe that, then the results will come in. So yeah, it's for me it's just about to, for like togetherness and and 
obviously Maidenheaded uh, are showing that and reaping the rewards. So yeah, it's the Ted Lasso effect, isn't it? Believe, <laughs> believe. <laughs> <laughs> we should we move on to Oxford and Barnet? Yes, I've got this one down as a game of seconds. This is what I've, I've got a start of seconds here. So we've got second top versus second bottom. You've got the second top goal scorers in the league versus the second most conceded. Coming you out with the stats, are you? Oh, coming out with them. <laughs> I don't do a lot of research before I do these things, but this is what I've been doing on this. <laughs> so you kind of can see this game was only going to go one way. I mean, there was so many chances for Barnett in the first half and so few for Oxford. Surprisingly, it took till the 28th minute when Brunt played in a great ball in the box for Kabamba. And he just headed it on beautifully for Callum Stead. Came in and he just slotted the ball away. For me, there should have been so many goals before this that would have been so much better and more deserving as an opener. But yeah, yeah, they'll take a tap in any day of the week. The seconds kept coming in the game. Nicky Kabamba got his second assist to give Callum Stead his second goal. Second, 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 seconds, all the way. But what a strike it was, straight from the edge of the box, right into the postage stamp. Oxford should have scored, though, in the second half. Have any of you seen this yet, the clearance off the line? No. It came in, and the keeper was away, and Pritchard was just standing on the line, and he just threw himself in front of the ball. It was a great clearance off the line. Right place, right time. Brilliant. Bradford, they continued to be dangerous. They couldn't make it three, despite one getting cancelled off or offside as well. It could have been a lot more. I think we, I think with Barnet, um, what's good about them is you know they go to places like Oxford, which is a bit of a banana skin because to be fair to Oxford, they are quite good going forward themselves. And um, Josh Parker for them, I think he's the only player for the only outlet. I think there's, I, th- I think that he's probably the player that's. If anyone's going to manage to keep them up single-handedly, he's going to be it. He's the only known player at the start of the season who was who was in that Oxford side without disrespecting Oxford City to, to the majority of, of you know national league people who are in, interested in, in the league. Um, but the problem I would have with Oxford is I know they've, they've had a bit of a, they had a good run of form, but they're very stubborn. They, play they smashed quite, us. They smashed yeah, us five two. But they play quite a they play quite a, an attractive style of football and very much direct kind of football, which is entertaining. But when you've got those those caliber of players, and this is no disrespect to them whatsoever, when you're just getting promoted into this division, that's not what's going to keep you up. If you look at sides like Maidenhead, um, I know they're in the relegation zone at the moment. We just spoke about them. They're a side that probably have on paper the worst side in the division. But what they do have is they they have a good they have a manager who knows this division off the back of his hand and how to keep them up. Um, Oxford City uh, have no history of this division. They've got no experience in this division, so they've come up to the unknown. Every team they've played, they've never played before, unless it's been in the leagues below or in cup competitions, and and that's the problem at the moment for them. You know, we look at the girls that they've conceded three girls, three girls, two girls two girls, they're conceding an awful a lot of girls, so for me Oxford City aside that I think are in a lot of trouble, to be honest Do they expect do you think when they came up they just kind of went this is just going to be a bit of a fun season let's have a bash at it 
I think that, that's kind of the I, that's kind of what I was thinking, and because I predicted them to finish bottom, to be honest. Um, and I know a lot of people. I, I felt like I've been a bit naive with that uh, because I didn't know enough about them. But yeah, I would say that I think the approach that they've had. I don't think if you asked Oxford City themselves or no, we, we just want to enjoy this season. I think their aim would have been to survive. But for me, it does feel like that because they haven't changed, you know, anything particularly. They didn't bring in many players in the summer either. Um, I know they're not going to be have the biggest budget in the division, but they didn't bring many reinforcements in in the summer. So. For me, yeah, I'd probably agree with that, to be honest. I don't think they'd admit that, though. I don't think the, like, the manager's not in trouble this season at all. If they go down, no. they go down. There's no way he's going to get sacked. He's took them up to the highest position they've ever been. Yeah. So he's not in trouble at all. He's only 32 as well. I think that's mm-hmm. something we've got to remember as well. So I think there'll be people out there who will be looking at him. And that might be some incentive for him is, is the fact that if I can keep this Oxford City side up this season, maybe in the summer, other clubs will be looking at me. Um, maybe, but I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one to call, to be honest with Oxford. I'm just, I wouldn't say disappointed, but it's what I expected, um, to be honest, from them so far. Mm. Uh, where are we? Solid Hill Wheelstone. Aaron, take it away, my man. Yeah, so this this one um, is is quite it's quite difficult to talk about the first half to be honest because not a lot really went on. There wasn't really a lot of clear cut chances for both sides, and you, you would you could have been uh, got quite um, good odds for this game ending nil nil uh, at half time, but it didn't. It actually ended one nil to Solihull, and the winner finally came through. Um, Josh Kelly um, and his little, it was a lovely finish. I don't know whether any of you boys have seen it. Um, just a little little delicate touch um, past the Wellstone keeper and provo- uh, proved to be the winner in the end. And then uh, Wellstone's problems got compounded because they, they got a man sent off um, in the um, 64th minute when Sam Bowen got sent off for two yellow cards. Uh, so, yeah, um, Tolly Hall were able to obviously carry on, but it, it wasn't the best of games for a neutral and, and obviously it keeps Solly Hall in the, in, the, in the playoff hunt. And obviously Solly Hall started very, very well, didn't they? Very well indeed. And they've just, they've kind of fallen off, I guess, a little bit at the pace in the last couple of weeks. But it was a, it was an important win for them. And, and yeah, I think, yeah, that's as much as, I've got for this one because, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't the best game of football for a neutral, if I'm being honest. Yeah, just a standard victory in it. I think most people expected Solil to win. They needed to bounce back, didn't they, after back-to-back defeats? Um, so yeah, just a standard victory won it. And Kelly getting another goal. Uh, he's on fire for them at the moment. From one nil to one nil, Charlie, yeah. talk to me about Woking v Bromley. So yeah, Woking v Bromley. Another team who've sort of cemented their playoff position quite comfortably up there in third place. Um, yeah, so Bromley were the first to put the ball in the back of the net, but it was unfortunate. It were a brilliantly worked goal, sort of looped round and it found it found the player's feet and just in the back of the goal, but it, it was flagged off as offside. And then not much happened in the game then until Deji Eleru, don't know if I'm butchering that name, Deji Elleru, who's a, a centre-half on loan from Charlton, he scored his second in two games 
uh, with an header from a corner in in like the 58th minute. I mean, first of all, brilliant delivery. A player rises up to edit and it gets blocked by a walking defender. But Elarou's sort of, he's just there at the right place, right time, heads it comfortably at the back of the net. There's not much else to say about the game apart from sort of Bromley's form. Bromley's form, they started off not very well with uh, two losses and three draws, but they've now turned that around and obviously they've only lost one since then, being against Chesterfield, who, as we've discussed, have sort of quite comfortably found their place at the top of the table so far. Is anyone here really surprised with the amount of vacancies that there's been in League 2 that we're not getting more links to Andy Woodman? I think maybe. Oh, go on, Aaron. No, sorry. You, you, you you're the, you're the expert, so you've probably got a more, more rational thinking than me. Well, well, all, all, all I would say, all I would say on that is, I think Bromley don't play an attractive style of football, um, and I think he's settled there at Bromley. I think personally, if he left Bromley, I thought Bromley had, would definitely be in the mud because I don't think they have much money. To be honest, I think he's just yeah. built up a squad, and they, they play quite. A, quite a direct and industrial style of football, um, well, but it's effective and they managed to grind out results. They never batter sides, but they managed to grind out results against the top teams and, and the bottom teams as well. So maybe for me, I think he just settled there and I think, and they were linked with a Gillingham job a couple of seasons ago um, and he turned it down. To me, to be honest, I think if you're if you're manager in the football league, You'll be looking at the the managers that are, are at clubs where they're playing quite attractive football, and can attract players from that club themselves. Where Bromley, they've just got I think eleven experienced players at national league level, um, and who play for him. So for me, that that that'd be why. Um, yeah. I think that's how do you think they would? So, sorry, that's what I just wanted to touch upon as well. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think. With Bromley, it's it's very direct and it's it's not attractive, but it, it works and it gets results. But I think the higher up you go in the pyramid, uh, like fans want to go to games and be attracted and be entertained as well as winning football matches. So mm-hmm. I don't know whether the direct route would, you know, I know it sounds stupid, but I've had this discussion with uh, some of my family members at Sport Attics. I, I'm quite a football simplest, me. If all of them are winning games, I don't care how we're winning games as long as we're winning games. But there's certain people in my family that want to be entertained and I can see it. But I think that would be the problem. The higher up you go, the bigger fan bases you've got to appease and you've got to try and play an attractive brand of football that gets them fan bases on side. And I don't know whether he particularly does that, even though his results are effective. Well, Oldham's a good example of that, isn't it? Because like you've mentioned there, I know Oldham with Unsworth, even when you had a good run of form to the second half of last season, there were Oldham fans at the start of the season still writing him off, although he'd actually mm. had quite a good second half of the season. Um, and I think the big problem with Oldham was the fact that the fans weren't getting behind it, not just because of the results, but because the football was dire. Now, let's say Oldham were looking for a manager... They'd never look at Andy Woodman because if he went there, Oldham fans would be tearing the hair out and it, and it just wouldn't work, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I would have took him at Hartlepool when he was linked after. Mm. Um, after Challoner left, I would have took him every day of the week. But, and I just we, wish we, we did take him. We've learned something about your, your, grand, your standards are not very high, are they? So... I mean, anything, anything, he's a good anything, 
anything's higher than Paul Hartley. He was awful. I mean, we still, I still don't believe we would be in this league if he didn't come. Would Would you, Grant? Would you? We've um, I, I know we're going back onto Hartlepool now, but we've asked because he's a well thought of manager in this division. Um, mm. someone that before when Wild firstly left, I wanted him at Halifax, um, but obviously he was at mm. York at the time. Is he? Would he be someone that you'd be blaming at the moment and looking elsewhere, or, or do you think no? Do you know what? I I think it's a more deep-rooted problem at the club. I, I don't point at Askey at all. I, I don't think John Askey's being well-backed. The chairman says he's backing him, but I don't think he's backing him at all, anywhere near as he could be. I, I think it's a more deep-rooted problem than Askey, and I think it's rubbing off on him, and it's rubbing off on the players, and I think yep. there's there's something deeper going on. Fair enough. That's that's as much as I'm willing to say on the situation. Could I, could I just yes. pop in with a question there? Yeah. How how far do you think this could go? How far do you see this going in terms of uh, you talk about the deep rooted problem? How far do you see it going before things have got as bad as they can get? Well, you see, you see, the, pro, the chairman's quite vocal in his program notes. What he says, yeah. he's, if you read any of his program notes, he's he's pointing fingers constantly at people. Um, he pointed fingers at the fans and says, if you keep shouting and abusing me, then I will pull the plug and leave. Like he's threatened the fans. You can't go out and threaten a fan group and say, I will just leave your club. I I've always said, we, I've always said with owners, and I'm going to say it because, because, um, we can say it what we want because we're professional and professional, but with a lot of owners and football clubs, it is. It's a cock bedroom competition, isn't it? You know, do you know what I mean? Like, Look like at the Yovel owner at the moment. Huh? Look at the Yovel owner at the moment and how he's going about his business online. And it's sad because it, I think they forget that managers come and go, players come and go, chairmen come and go, but the the fans are the real owners of a football club. You know what I mean? Yeah. These people are just custodial um, custodians and they need to remember that. And it's it's like, yeah, I, I just I think there's too much of it that goes on in football nowadays. It's it's horrific, and to to point the fingers at a fan group like that and say if you shout against me, I'm going to pull it. I I, I don't think the fans are being vocal enough. It's like about... Tanzeri, isn't it? Speak mm -hmm. with Jeff Wednesday. I know I don't know if you've seen that, but I know it's a bit high up the pyramid now. But I know um, Chef Wednesday fans were starting to protest against him a little bit, and he just threatened to stop funding the club. Um, and it's a bit of a dictatorship. It's like, you, look, guys, you need me, so you shouldn't be, you know, protesting against me. Does it feel a bit like that, Hartley Pool? Maybe. Yeah, massively. I mean, I don't. As I say, I think it's huge, and I, I don't think our fans are being vocal enough. I expected full-scale chance at that game against Rochdale. I think if it doesn't come in the next couple of weeks, if we're still continually not being backed. Questions have got to be asked to the fan group. I, yeah. We've got to be speaking out against. Well, this. Hartlepool's quite a. It's it's a big it's a a big fan base, but also a passionate fan base. It's something that mm -hmm. I've noticed. You know, I've seen them with the banners in the past, and they don't seem like a fan base to me that will just lie down if it really does get serious. They are a fan mm -hmm. base that would be you know protesting probably oh, like Alanda. Get get your tennis balls out, Grant. <laughs> Start yeah. launching them onto the pitch. 
<laughs> we're saying again, we're saying it also about owners and the Yeovil owner. Remember when Heath just pointed this out that when he called Matt Matt Ugla out for a boxing match. <laughs> oh yeah. Online it was oh, it was mad, but Ugla's now obviously the, the chairman and owner of York. He's pumped well, a lot of money into it, but they've been underperforming. Again, I know it's I know it's a completely different league, but while we're talking about owners and doing crazy things, you have to look at the bloody the actions of I mean, I love him, I think he's a great owner, but the actions of Andy Holt over the last couple of weeks <laughs> have been up to me. That has been one of the most bizarre public like I don't I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like and it just shows, I think, sometimes that you should just. I, I'm a firm believer. If you if you can help it, you never ever are you dirty laundry, dear. Because then no. then you lose you lose the fans from the offset. Then and I think that's the problem that Andy Holt's got now. But like I said, mm. that's another division for another time. But it was just in my mind while we were talking about owners. I was going to I was going to say you you ruined my perfect segue there about Matt um, Yeovil owner Matt Ugla boxing in York. A great sorry, I'm setup. so sorry. I had a great I segue setup, Aaron. I know. I'm here. I'm good for it. Bring on the segue. We're there right. anyway. Look. So, I'll go on about York and Halifax. Um, I'll try not to talk too long because I know I've talked quite a lot tonight. Um, what I'd what I'd say about York is no. Let, let's start with just like a, a match. I'd probably just probably better to give a match review or something, isn't it? But personally, um. I thought Halifax were the better team. And I, I've been debating this with York fans um, on Twitter. I don't know if people have seen. Um, but away from home, it was, I wouldn't say, one of the best games for BT to be televising, to be honest. Not that they knew that, but it was on the night. Um, it wasn't the best. A good atmosphere from both sides, but but not on the night. Um York, I thought, were very, very poor. And I mean, considering the money that they put into the squad, I would go as far as said there's not one player in that York side that played that would get in Halifax's side, although we drew. Um, you, wouldn't, you, know, we you wouldn't take Big Deepawak in, yeah, me? Oh, no. Well, he wasn't playing. So I would say he he's the one player in the, in the mm. entire York team that I'd, I'd take at Halifax because we're crying out for a proven goal scorer. But he wasn't playing. Um York were just dreadful. Defensively, they probably were fairly good and it needed a goal like what Hottie scored because it was, you know, both sides weren't creating too many chances. But just that, just in the second half, Hottie um, had a shot from outside of, of the box um, and it flew into the top right-hand corner and it needed some kind of quality like that to break, to basically break the deadlock, to be honest. Um, and after that, I had the opinion that we were going to go on to batter them because... York were awful. They were just sitting back defensively, and it, and it did feel like if we got if we got that first goal, then they'd have to come at us, and that's when we really would start to exploit with the players that we had. And there were chances, um, maybe not as many as I would have liked, but there were chances to extend our lead. Um, Ali kept cutting in on his right foot where he had opportunities. Hottie did um, a corner, I think we had as well. Um, but what annoyed me was for the last fifteen. 10-15 minutes, we suddenly and I know you do automatically do this in games, um, sides will automatically drop further deep, um, we just sat defensively and usually it works, I know against Hartlepool we did it, we we dropped defensively and, and it did feel like we got away a bit that night, although we should have extended our lead when we were 2-1 up 
Um, you know, we did it against Oldham when we went there. We managed to get away with it. Working managed to get away with it. Um, but what what annoyed me was the fact that we did it against York, and you could just see what was going to happen. Suddenly, York were getting plenty of chances, and then they managed to equalise through such a scrappy goal. And you know, you went to you, you get to the full time whistle, and you start to think we could we could have got three points here, lads. You know, if we could have just been a bit more positive for the full game, we could have probably gone on to win and extend our lead. Because um, York were, I know I'm being harsh here, but dreadful. And to think of all the money that they've put into that club, I, I think I've got major concerns about them being in, in a relegation battle, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, I think from Halifax, not the best performance, but if we'd have won, would we have cared? I still think a point's a point and if we played them at home, we'd, we'd comfortably win. But yeah, it is what it is. But I've got proper concerns about York this season. Do you think we'll see more investment from York though when we're coming in the later stages of the season? I know we you don't we don't have a transfer window in the National League, but in January, yeah, January. surely we're going to see more activity from York and trying to build that team up to be the team that the the manager now wants a new manager in. He didn't see the team come in. Over the summer, he's going to try and mould that to something else. And well, this is the this thing. Like Neil Hardley, I I know he's come in, but he doesn't seem like the sort of manager to me that I think he wants control of the players that he brings in. And this is the thing: Will Ugler, I think so far with the signings he's made seem to be Ugler's signings, not the manager's. Um, he's kind. It kind of feels like me at York, like the the signings that they've made are basically big names for this level that have been in League Two. Um, and have been in the National League. But the reason they've come to York is because they're past it. Um, that's personally just, just my opinion on that. And they've just brought in big names to get a lot of attention um, because there's only, I think, three signings on paper for me that, that have stood out at the start of the season. Of course, all of them, virtually all of them were big names who'd been in the Football League, but all were, were getting on. Um, I think, yeah, that they'll try to splash more money at it, but... Will it work? You know, they've already got 20-odd players on the books. Um, how many players can you bring in, to be honest, at York? Um, I think they brought in like 13 players, didn't they? And to be honest, if I was a York fan, I'd be tearing my hair out with that because they were very, very poor. You seen Ugla put out a statement on Twitter the other day, didn't he? Saying how, look, sorry about how this is when. Look, I promise yeah. I'll do everything to try and put this right. See a bit. I don't. Want to, I can see it as a bit of a attention seeking with because he he pulls the side. The thing with Uglo is he'll put a signing out, um, but he and he kind of makes it about him a little bit. Um, I think it's brilliant what he's done at York. Um, and to be honest, I'm not going to comment too much on him because I've met him personally. He's probably a sound guy. I know a lot of people have got good opinions on him, but he he puts a post out and he to a certain extent he he makes it about him um, rather than the signing. Mm. And it's like when he took, you know, the South End situation, it was brilliant what he did putting money into him, but he had to publicly announce how much money he's putting in and stuff. And to me, it kind of feels like he's attention-seeking. I don't know if I'm speaking out of term there, but that that's just the views that, that I've got, to be honest, that I'm getting from it. He can prove me wrong if he wants, um, but that's just what the feeling I'm getting at the moment. I don't know what you your guys' thoughts are on that. And our interview next week with Luke Walsh is going to be. You know. I would, I wouldn't mind that, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I do get you. He does he? You see it come out, and there's a lot of 
him. It was the same when he signed Big Deeps. There was he was there as well, and everything is yeah. I I I can get that in a way. I probably got it totally wrong, but it's just the, the feeling that I'm getting. I know um, Paul is a curse to my podcast. I know he said in the past that he wasn't keen when he first you know was appointed, and he still wasn't keen with all the players that were bringing in as well. So yeah, for me, I. I've just not got a good feeling, to be honest, about it um, at all, to be honest. God, it seems like we're ending this on a negative note. I know, yeah. Uh, Callum. Sub- Callum? Why am I saying Callum? Callum? Charlie, can you just, like, cheer us up a little bit? The Bradford, at, the Bradford at the moment, they're not a club to yeah. talk about. I can, I can talk about, so uh, cheer me up, if, if you want to talk about the Hartlepool result again. And Ryan, Ryan I really go. I really don't. Have you There's guys no need for that? It's really I, not. I, I, I'm not <laughs> going to make too much uh, too much jokes at Grand until I get my first paycheck, Charlie. You might want to take a leave out of my book as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I know. I thought Hartlepool played well. Great, going to go up straight back up. <laughs> we'll have to talk about this after this podcast, Charlie. Do you, you reckon? <laughs> Do you reckon this is the longest podcast that we've done as a, a group so far, or what? I was on no. two hours over over a week. Oh, really? Yeah. With we, we two hour one, and the league yeah. two one last week was about an hour and four, an hour and forty eight. So this is definitely up there with the longest, and I think. So we, we, we've got one be, to beat. Well, that's what you're telling me. There'll be there'll be conversations probably had about how long we talk for, but hey, have you had fun? Yeah, I have, and you know what? You know what? For the first one as well, I think it's it's good that we've got this much to talk about and this much detail because, like, it's like we were saying before we started. Obviously, n- nobody really wants to be in the national league, especially when you come from the football league. But as an actual league to watch, I think Luke touched upon it. It's such an entertaining league, as in like anyone can beat anyone, can't they? You don't know what's going to happen week on week. And it's nice to finally be given the league structure the credit it probably deserves, even though, like, I know me and Grant definitely don't want to be here for too long. But Neither in terms of, like, an actual neutral watching it, it's, it is a fantastic league, so I'm glad that we're giving yeah. it some other time, definitely. It's just, it's just difficult, because I, I know, like, Oldham and Hartlepool, well, definitely Oldham are a lot bigger club, and Hartlepool are a bigger club than Halifax. Um, but historically, you know, we spent more of a of the old club, we spent our entire history in the football league, apart from the final few years before we went bust. Um, so, you know, we've got ambitions about getting out, getting up now, but you look at sides like Oldham, um, Hartlepool, um, South End, Chesterfield, and you look at the size of these clubs and you think, well, if we want to get out of here, how much, how much, how much, how must those um, fan bases be feeling at the moment, being stuck in this division? But yeah, it's definitely a division that I, I want to see Halifax get out of and, and get in, get back into the football league, where I does feel like we we should be, to be honest, um, with the history behind us and, and the size of the stadium, etc. Other clubs as well have been down for probably even longer. You Kidderminster who have dropped right out. Yeah, Dagenham, Dagenham who've Top dropped team. down. Yeah, they're another more. big club. Yeah, there's so well. many, so many big clubs that come down here, and we'll get to talk about them more and more. Yeah, definitely. Guys, this has been a hell of a lot of fun. I've enjoyed myself. I am um, this evening. Anyone who's watching, we hope you continue to listen to us. We will be back next week. 
for the next installment of the National League podcast. If you listen to this on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever podcasting service you listen to this on, don't forget, rate us five stars if you've not already done it off the back of listening to any of our other podcasts. Comment whatever the hell you want. You can say that, why the hell is this Bradford supporter on a National <laughs> League podcast? We don't like Charlie. No, we love Charlie. Just rate us five stars. We do not care what you do. Just, just rate us that. Um, if you are on YouTube, if this one's up on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If not, if it's not on YouTube, head over to YouTube anyway and just subscribe. Hit the little bell button as well to get notifications when we go live for any of our live shows or when any of our podcasts go up on YouTube. Everyone, take care. Have a great day. Drive safe if you're driving. We have been with Sports Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.